Good afternoon, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, and I'm joined every week by my wonderful co-host, the one and only editor-in-chief and founder of Rocket Sports Media, Rick Stevens. Thank you so much for being here. Happy to be here in this mid-July edition of the From the Press Box podcast. Didn't wasn't like last week the mid June episode. That's what it feels like. That's true. It's moving <laughs> along, and soon it will be the mid August version, and we'll be preparing for training camp. Quiet now. <laughs> Quiet now. Quick, get all of your summering in. It's going too quickly. Well, we're certainly glad to have uh, you all joining us today. We have, whoo, do we have a show for you today? Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of great information, and two very special guests. Uh, last week, we, ha- we featured an interview with uh, our friend Zach Fish, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Hershey Bears. Uh, and this week, we've got a couple of really great interviews as well. Um, so... We are going to talk, we're going to actually kick off the show, Rick, we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of signings that both the Canadians and the Flyers uh, have wrapped up in the last week. And uh, then we're going to, we're going to invite uh, our friend Bill Meltzer onto the air with us here. Uh, Bill is the Philadelphia Flyers contributing writer, uh, and he is just a wealth of knowledge about the the Flyers and their prospects. Uh, And so Bill's going to join us here in just a few minutes. Uh, just to talk about how the the summer has been shaping up for the Flyers in this off season, and uh, you know Chuck Fletcher's first moves uh, in the off season as GM and so forth. Uh, after that, we're going to go around the AHL and just highlight a couple of additional coaching changes that have taken place. There have been a, a couple of more head coaches announced, um, some recognizable names who've uh, signed some new contracts. We're also going to talk about uh, briefly that we we kind of got a preview of it last week where uh, the home openers for the AHL were were announced last Tuesday. Well, then following that the next day last week, the full schedule for the AHL is out and there are some new things in store uh, for some teams. Yes, Laval Rocket fans, you'll want to pay attention. There's some new things coming to Laval's schedule for this year. Uh, And then uh, heading Uh, After that, we're going to have a special interview with uh, new contract signed Syracuse Crunch goaltender Zach Fucali. Uh, Last year was playing uh, in the Las Vegas Vegas Golden Knights organization. And, uh, of course, before that was a member of the Montreal Canadiens organization. So Zach's going to join us in the second segment. Talk a little bit about his new contract with the Crunch and uh, how things are going for his uh, his off season and his training this summer. And in the last segment, of course, we're going to go beyond the AHL and just talk a little bit about our summer coverage here on the AHL Report and just give you some reminders on some great uh, things that we've got going on and, and what you can be expecting as we're getting it's not quite the dog days of summer yet, but we're getting there. So lots jam packed show today. Two great interviews coming. You're not going to want to miss a minute of it. So that synopsis, the first question that comes to mind, um, we yeah. had Zach Fish last week. Uh, Zach Vitale <laughs> is a special <laughs> guest this week. Who's the Zach next week? Who is, is the Zach next week? That's a, wow. That's Parisi? A um, 
Is Zach Brees? Boychuk? Well, Zach Boychuk? Is he? No. Maybe. Um, <laughs> we'll have to get on that. We'll have to. I mean, who knows? Zach Boychuk, has he, has he gone back to following everyone and their mother uh, on Twitter? Yeah, so yeah. we could potentially get an interview with him. Um, whoever it's going to be next week, it's going to be good. But this week's are, are really good. So I'm really, I'm, I'm very excited uh, for both of these interviews today. So we, we, we've got so much to do and, and uh, these great interviews coming up. So just a bit of time only to tip the cap to uh, the national day calendar. Uh, oh, nothing yeah. much today. And in fact, well, there's something more important to talk about for today. Uh, tomorrow, um, you talked about it being summer. Uh, what's more summer than hot dogs and it's national hot dog day tomorrow. Um, I'm surprised that's not on July 4th here in the States since that's the day of the hot dog eating contest, the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, but uh, okay. That's right. But uh, all the right, day hot after that day. is, is uh, national caviar day. So you follow up the hot dogs with oh, caviar. That's not, good. <laughs> and, that's not a, yeah, hot dog with a caviar chaser. Okay. And uh, then the day after that would be Friday is National Daiquiri Day for you. So. Oh. I, see, I will say that I had a pina colada last week. As thanks to pina colada-ing. But the oh. daiquiri thing is too, I don't know. It's a little too girly for me, I think. Sorry, ladies. I know. It's, I'm not trying to be anti-woman here, but the strawberry daiquiri is a bit of a girly drink for me. I don't know that I could do a daiquiri. Although, okay, now I'm going to totally, I'm I'm going to totally contradict myself. I made a banana daiquiri for the first time this summer, and that was actually tasty. <laughs> so maybe. So you're just remembering it now that you do like daiquiris or certain. Uh, well, certain daiquiris. All right. You know. Okay. But today, <laughs> today, yes, please get me out. We of this. think back, and there's only there's only one thing that comes to mind today, and that is remembering the royal wedding. Oh, I thought you were going to say the anniversary of the Apollo Eleven landing. Thirty-one years ago today, in Saint Joseph's Basilica, the royal wedding happened. Well, it was Canada's version of the royal wedding. Um, ah, Hollywood actress Janet Jones married hockey god Wayne Gretzky in downtown What's Edmonton. That today? Wow. July 16th, 1988. 31 years ago today. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a good bit of hockey and, history. For today. And about a month later, he was traded to. Los Angeles, but, but for <laughs> yeah. now he was very happy and ready to go on his honeymoon. Well, that's you know, I'm sure he still fondly remembers the day, mm-hmm. even though he was tra- traded to a net. Well, that's that's pretty good. That's a good piece of hockey trivia for today. Today in hockey history. Correct. Well, happy anniversary to Mr. Gretzky. Um, and um, Janet Gretzky and Janet Gretzky I like it well shall we dive in I think we'll dive in to Mm -hmm. 
some signings that happen this week. You know, every week we say, well, you know, maybe the news will be quiet between next this week and next week. And no, that doesn't ever happen. It doesn't ever happen. Um, my favorite thing that did happen uh, with the Canadians last week is, you know, uh, got word finally that Yol Armia uh, signed a two-year contract extension. And... Um, and I was so, and so I then tweeted, "Okay, Armian's done. Let's hope Lekkonen's next." And then, literally, like two hours later, Lekkonen got signed. So, <laughs> um, the, the two Finns are back. Um, both signed on the same day, and uh, pretty happy to see both of them back in the lineup, Eric. For sure, um, the the signings were um, about where you you'd expect they might be term might have been a little bit longer but but uh it's fine uh they they both um avoid our, the arbitration hearing and settle ahead of that which which was uh expected mm-hmm. um and uh both should be playing uh it was Lekkonen who um um moved up the lineup and and really solidified the the second line uh with Matt Max Domi last year uh, Joel Armia, uh, he missed some time last last season due to injury. Um, might be expected to do a little bit more uh, this season uh, with uh, Andrew Shaw uh, traded back to Chicago. So happy to see uh, that business get taken care of without going to arbitration. And uh, kind of nice that those guys get to uh, get signed on the same day. It's pretty good. And, and, and yeah, I agree. Um, they were important pieces of the puzzle to get signed. I, I'm happy that they're both back for a couple of years. Um, and uh, hopefully they can get some more ice time, as you say. For the Flyers, uh, they also had a couple of signings, one as recently as today. Uh, but first off, uh, in in recent days, they extended Scott Lawton for two years. Uh, it's a Average annual value of $2.3 million. Um, so Lawton, the uh, 6'1", Oakville, Ontario native, will be back uh, through the 20, the 20 to 21 season. Um, this last season, Lawton actually set new career highs in goals, assists, and overall points um, and appeared in all 82 games of the season. So, um, you know, hoping that uh, – Scott can build on that. Uh, of course, he certainly has spent some time with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms as well, but uh, hoping to see that uh, he can he can build on a, a really career year that he had last year, and uh, that, that two-year deal will certainly help him to do that. Um, and then just today, uh, Flyers have announced that they have re-signed uh, Nicholas Aubé-Kubel to a one-year two-way contract extension. Uh, AAV of $700,000. Um, now, uh, Albi Kubel was called up, had his first NHL game and first NHL call up last fall. Um, he, he had played in just nine games with the Flyers uh, last season, but he did spend a, a good amount of time playing for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms where he put up 30 points last year and uh, had a team best five game-winning goals. So uh, good to see Albe Kubel back in the organization. will likely be back down with the Phantoms again, but uh, has the potential to get another call-up if the Flyers find themselves in an injury-ridden situation. So I like both of those signings as well. 
Well, I'm very pleased to say now that we have a special guest joining us uh, here at Rocket Sports Media on the, from the press box today. He is the contributing writer for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Mr. Bill Meltzer is joining us today here on the podcast. Bill, thanks so much and welcome. Oh, hi, Amy. Um, it's my, my pleasure to be on. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing great. Glad that you could join us this afternoon. Uh, Bill is um, kind of the the guru of all flyers, uh, all things flyers, uh, as far as uh, information coming out of the organization. And of course, is a great follow on Twitter. Make sure you're following him at Bill Meltzer on Twitter. But Bill, it's been let let's talk just a little bit in broad strokes about the off season that the Philadelphia Flyers have had. Um, you know, Chuck Fletcher early on has made some made some big impact moves, whether it's trades or, you know, the hustle and bustle of free agency, there was the draft. It's been a busy off season already. Um, Just in general, how do you feel the overall tone is for how, how successful things have gone uh, so far this summer? I think going into the off season, um, you know, Chuck's number one priority and I know, you know, fan base, and I'm, and, and you know, I, I'm, I include myself in this as well. Everybody looks to want to add a bunch of goal scoring to the lineup. I mean, every, you know, and the Flyers were, were 18th in, in goal scoring last year, and, and they added, they added, uh, of course, Kevin Hayes. Uh, but I think the number one thing that the the Flyers were looking for in this offseason was cutting the team's goals against average. Flyers were 29th in goals against uh, this past season. If you look league-wide, uh, where teams ranked in goals against average, teams uh, 21 through 31 all missed the playoffs. So, you know, you, you, can, you can modestly improve in, in goal scoring and get into the postseason, but if you're near the bottom in goals against, you're probably not going to make it. So I think he said his first priority in terms of, you know, adding two-way players – surrounding the young core that, that's come up through the system with some mm-hmm. proven veterans. So, you know, in addition to, um, you know, in addition to adding Kevin Hayes, um, he went out, he traded for Matt Niskanen, he traded for Justin Braun, mm-hmm. and they also got uh, Tyler Pitlick from, from Dallas. So, you know, just in general, they're all pretty good two-way players. They added some, some size, some veteran leadership, and a guy like Niskanen. And then the idea is to surround um, – you know, surround the young guys in the, in, in the organization with some proven veterans. I mean, if you look at what the Capitals did during their run to the Stanley Cup a year ago, Niskan was pulling down 25-23 of ice time a game. So, you know, that's uh, you, you can't replace that kind of experience in a lineup, and that's, that's really the number one thing he's done. You know, you add that to Carter Hart being there, hopefully uh, with, with the coaching changes, and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the team's penalty kill was, atrocious overall the, the overall numbers were bad but it was really almost a tale of two different seasons because if you look in the first quarter of the season up through uh u.s thanksgiving while well, they, they were under 70 percent which ruins an entire season you, you spend the rest of the year trying to pull it up but right. after, after that from that point on, onwards they were over 80 so to kind of continue what they did you know improve the improve the pk uh assuming carter hard is, is the real deal and i do think he is but uh, Carter Hart and Brian Elliott gives you a, you know, a, a youngster and a veteran tandem in goal. And so a little stability in goal, which they haven't had really in a long time, but, you know, particularly this past season, we'll use eight goalies. So, you know, you, you add some defensively sound players, improve on PK, get some stable goaltending, 
try to be strong through the middle, through, you know, through depth at center, defense, and you get the goaltending, then I think you're most of the way towards, you know, getting at least to the middle of the pack in goals against. And honestly, in terms of goals for, um, the difference between 18th and 12th is only six goals for the season. So you, you only need a little modest increase to be in the top half of the league. And I think that's what Chuck set out to do. And, you know, I think he, he accomplished guys that are capable of doing that. But with a new coach coming in and, you know, you have to see how, how all the pieces fit together. But I do think that the, the pieces are there to be a team that gets back in the playoffs. A couple of weeks ago, we were in Vancouver for the NHL entry draft and uh, Chuck Fletcher um, gave us the first bit of excitement. Well, check that. Uh, I guess there was a stir in the crowd when Steve Eisenman took uh, Marie Sider at number six, but the first bit of excitement, uh, a trade came uh, as the Flyers moved down, uh, trading the 11th pick to Arizona, uh, but still being able to get the uh, one of the guys they wanted uh, in Cam York um, at, uh, at number 14. Uh, you talked about uh, preventing goals. First and foremost, Cam York is uh, a strong Defensive player, uh, great skater, um, but uh, you know when you think of a Cam York, you think of someone who's calm, poised, laid back. Even um, can you tell us uh, what you thought of that that uh, selection? But also um, how if if that kind of calmness carried on in development camp for Cam York? Yeah, and I, and, uh, I mean if you look at that U.S development team, you know, the USNTDP, yeah. um, that, that under 18 team, 17 players from that, from that roster were drafted this year, you know, some point in the draft. And that's, that's just the full-time guys. Like the guy, the Flyers got in the second round, Bobby Brink spent a little bit of time with the team, but he doesn't even count because he spent most of the year in the USHL with Sioux city. So he doesn't even count on those totals. If you look at how, how stacked that team was, well, Cam York was the number one defenseman. Um, all situations guy, as you said, very poised, very smart, um, guy who has, you know, besides being, besides being really solid on his own end of the ice, he has, he has a lot of power play upside too. Um, one of the things that, uh, that Fletcher highlighted was he thinks he could be a, a first unit power play guy down the line in the NHL. So, uh, I actually had him in, in pre-draft as the, uh, you know, and then there were a number of good defensemen available towards, you know, and, and, and who were available in the first round or were kind of all closely bunched. But I had York as the second best defenseman in the draft. Now, I didn't know whether they were going to go forward or defense, but I think at 14th, um, you know, what, uh, what Fletcher indicated was when the Flyers pick came up at 11th, um, three guys who were in their top 10 were still on board. Um, you know, I, I suspect one of them was Matthew Boldy. One of them was certainly York. And I don't know who the third one was. It may have been. Cole Caulfield, it may have been, you know, another defenseman like, like Victor Soderstrom, who, who Arizona ended up taking when they moved up. So, you know, uh, there, there's some possibilities. But I do think, you know, but York was right, right in that mix of guys. So I think that that was a, you know, a nice, well-reasoned pick. Um, when you look at the Flyers farm system, um, they're kind of in, they were kind of in an in-between stage in terms of the defenseman system because when they had that run of guys who they took near the top of the draft, well, all of them, um, are pretty much in the NHL level right now. Um, Ivan mm-hmm. Provorov, Travis Sanheim, um, Phil Myers should probably become a full-time player this season. Robert Haig's at the NHL level. So I think that, uh, you know, you, you want to keep guys coming through the pipeline. 
um, A, for development, but B, because that way if you make moves, you're, you're trading from strength. So they, you know, so they, they filled a position on as well as getting a very good prospect. So I really, I really did like that pick. Um, you know, in the second round, because they traded to get back into the second round, when they, when they acquired Justin Braun, um, they had to trade their second round pick this year to be able to make that happen. And then when they traded down the first round, they traded back into the second round. Um, and then on the second day of the draft, the Flyers actually moved up in the second round. Right. And they were able to get Bobby Brink, who was a guy who uh, he was either you know was either just in or just out of their top twenty, but a but a later first round kind of guy. And um, you know, with all the attention on, on Cole Caulfield, and understandably so, mind you, because not not too many guys score goals the way that Caulfield does. I mean, Bobby Brink did something similar, you know, for for Sioux City this year. You know, I don't know if he's the same, quite the same. He's not going to be quite the same goal scorer as Caulfield, but there are some similarities between the way they play. So I think you ended up getting two first-round caliber picks. And then from there you see, you know, you see what the guys like, like Atard and, you know, the rest of the guys that they drafted ended up doing. But, you know, I think for, for the first couple of picks of the draft, they, they did pretty well for themselves in terms of where guys stand, you know, through, the, through their draft-eligible year. With, with Bobby Brink, as you said, uh, the Flyers traded up um, um, to get uh, the guy they wanted in the second um, and and he he did receive comparisons to um, Cole Caulfield and also Alex DeBrincat, um, who seems everybody was looking for the next Alex DeBrincat. And um, you know, with with Bobby Brink, he, he has skill off the charts, hockey sense, compete level. Uh, but uh, whenever uh, you talk to scouts, it's uh, there's the concern about uh, his skating. Is it? Is this something he can overcome? Is it a mechanics issue? Uh, how did he How did he look at uh, development camp? Actually, you know, I, I think that if he needs to improve something in the skating, it's his, it's his first stride explosiveness. He's very good on his edges. Um, once he hits top speed, he's he's fine. It's it's that first stride or two, which is which is all the key to, to getting separation. That can improve. He's very small, of course. I mean, he's uh, you know, about the same size as Caulfield. He's a five foot eight listed as five foot eight and you know less than 160 pounds so he's got to add a lot of strength i think i think developing some lower body strength and working on his explosiveness in the first strategy which incidentally was the the same knock on the brink at besides the size it was that he that he couldn't get separation at the pro level well, he's shown himself to be just fine so and not not every player is going to be you know the brink at or, or you know or johnny goudreau or you, know, you, you name you name the smaller player. I mean, for every every one of those guys that size who makes it, you know, several don't. But I think for a second round pick, I mean, I think that's a that's a great that's a great spot to uh, you know to take on a little bit of risk for potentially very high reward. You mentioned two things: one, restocking uh, that defensive depth, and and also two, uh, you kind of made made mention of you know fans like to see, you know go out and, and get someone who can really score. So uh, particularly around free agency, everyone's looking for the big move, the big signing on that day. But but Chuck Fletcher, instead, it seems, opted to go for depth signings uh, on, on free agency day, uh, particularly at defense with, with guys like Prosser, Waterspoon, uh, Begras, Walensky, those kinds of things. Was that kind of your feeling that the plan all along is not to not to necessarily go after the big free agents, but just really 
continue that trend of, of kind of restocking the store, getting, getting the farm system replenished again, and, and particularly at the defensive position? I think that, I think that, that, that hits on the head. Uh, I think particularly, you know, you, you could almost, you could almost compare what they did at the NHL level with Niskin and Braun to, to getting, to getting the guys like Degras and certainly Prosser with a ton of NHL experience. I mean, if you look at the turnover on the, on the Lehigh Valley Phantoms blue line um, from, from last year to this, you know, you have Mark Friedman coming back, but really the most of the blue line is changing over and there weren't necessarily prospects in the system to, uh, to fill those roles. Now there's the opposite case with forward because they have so many young forwards coming in and high level guys at that. But that, that was not the case on defense because as I said, most of the defensemen they drafted are already up at the NHL level. So I think the same line of thinking was where you, you know, you want to get some established veterans um, who, you know, maybe you're maybe around just this year, but a, a guy like Prosser will be around, you know, two years in a two year deal. So, I think that uh, you know, as as other guys come up, you surround you surround the kids with some veterans, and you know, it's actually for for an AHL level, they actually have a pretty pretty solid blue line in place now. So I think that the uh, you know, I think that, that that was certainly the the line of thinking. Um, they added Andy uh, Andy Andreoff, um, added added Gabriel. Um, so I think that uh, you know, I think they had some guys who have a little bit of NHL experience could potentially come up and fill a role if they, if they have injuries or whatever at the NHL level. But they're replacing the veteran group, um, you know, in the, the American Hockey League level. And for an AHL signing, uh, you know, O'Reilly, Cal O'Reilly's a tremendous improvement yes. player. He's a multi-time AHL all-star, even though he's mm-hmm. only on an American League deal for, for the AHL level. That's a pretty big signing, particularly with uh, Phil Veroni um, signing with the Montreal organization. Well, that's uh, actually a a great segue into the kind of the next part of our conversation here. It seems as though the Montreal Canadiens this summer are are (laughs) reconfiguring plenty of uh, Flyers players as well with not only Phil Veroni, but uh, former Philadelphia Flyers, uh, Nick Cousins. Can you give uh, Habs for, for our Habs fan contingency on the podcast, can you give them a little bit of insight on what to expect from guys like Veronian and Cousins and what they could be contributing to Montreal's uh, lineup, whether it's at the NHL level or uh, at the AHL level in Laval? Sure. Well, you know, you look at Veroni, he's the guy who's won the MVP award, the American Hockey League level, just a year ago. Um, he ended up spending, I, I would say, you know, the half, about half of the season, maybe a little bit more than half of the NHL level with the Flyers. Uh, at the American League level, he's a, he's a fantastic playmaker, or, you know, a really creative guy on the power play, um, just, just a high-end offensive player at the American League level. Uh, at the NHL level, this past season, he played almost exclusively on the fourth line from the Flyers. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's small, but he's a, he's a creative and, and smart hockey player. Um, if you need him to fill in on, on a higher line for a couple of games, he can do that for you. Um, you know, he, so you have some versatility either to play him the AHL level or to move him up to the NHL level. And you know, if if you need, you know, if you if you need him on the power play for a game or two, just if you're if you're in a pinch, I mean, Veroni can Veroni can do that. And he's a guy who certainly the American League level makes his line mates around him better players. And the NHL level, even you know, even in a fourth line role, I mean. 
you know, his numbers don't jump out at you in, in any way, but he's the guy who knows what's expected of him. He's just, he's just a solid bro, just, just a good hockey player. Excellent. And, and I know it's been a couple of years since Nick Cousins played for the Flyers, but um, he, he was there for, for a few years, um, back and forth between the Flyers uh, and, the, and the Phantoms. Can you give us a little bit of uh, kind of a scouting report on, on Nick Cousins? Sure. Um, Nick is, you know, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy. But he's a guy who, another guy who at the American League level can, can put up some points on the board. Um, the NHL level, he's, he's a bottom six guy, um, can play as high, I think, as, you know, as the third line, uh, brings an agitating presence, um, always, you know, he, he's, a, he's a pretty, you know, he's a pretty good chirper out there and often gets under guys' skin. Um, you know, he brings a little bit of offensive skill as well. Um, the Flyers use him in the shootout a few times, and, uh, you know, he actually scored some goals that way. Um, so, you know, I think, I think Nick is a guy who, uh, you know, he might be in and out of the lineup a little bit, but he's a guy who can, who can give you some good games. The only, the only thing from Nick is that the NHL level, I'd like to see a little bit more consistency from him. But that's mm-hmm. a guy who, who, can, who can come in and, and fill a role and, you know, and, and be a pretty solid player as a, as a bottom six guy. Perfect. One, one last question for you. Um, Chuck Fletcher has said in, in a recent press conference, I believe around free agency that, that um, wasn't anticipating any more big moves for the summer. Is that something fans you think can probably count on or, or perhaps maybe there'll be some more surprises along the way? Well, I, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, there's always, there's always a possibility of other moves, particularly as you get deep into the summer and sometimes, you know, sometimes there's a bargain to be had in the free agent market. I do think they want to, hold open the possibility that, uh, you know, that someone like Morgan Frost could come in and win a job. Um, although I, although I anticipate the, their incoming guys, Frost and, and Joel Farabee and, um, you know, and Isaac Ratcliffe will probably all start with the Phantoms, but there is a possibility that one of them could stand out in camp and, and win a job. Um, to me, the, the interesting thing to watch also is there's, there's a little bit of a numbers game on the blue line right now. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on is that both Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov are still, unsigned. Um, I think connect me will come together relatively soon. Provorov is a little trickier because um, basically you have three teams and three players agents all watching what the other ones do. And that's specifically, um, you know, it's Mark Gandler, who's, uh, who's Provorov's agent and the flyers. They're watching what Columbus is doing with Zach Lorensky. And both Mm -hmm. are watching what, uh, what Boston does with Charlie McAvoy. And usually what happens is they're waiting for somebody to sign first and set what the market is. And, um, you know, and that, that'll set around what the contract will be. Now these, these things can drag into the summer, sometimes pretty mm-hmm. deep into the summer. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I, you know, I, I often tell people there's no, don't worry about it until you, until you pass labor day and nothing's happened. Right. Nothing's <laughs> happened yet. Then, then you get a little concerned about it dragging into training camp. But, I mean, the Flyers right now, you know, assuming they get um, Provorov under contract, and I still think that'll happen ahead of camp, then, then they've got a numbers game on the blue line. Um, you know, Robert Haig started every game last season. Well, right now he's number seven on, on the chart. And, and Samuel Moran, who, uh, you know, he's no longer, um, he's no longer um, waiver exempt, so he'd have to pass through waivers or they try to get him down to the Phantoms. That's, that's eight defensemen, six spots. I don't know if they want to carry eight guys. Um, so, you know, right now, right now they're holding those guys. I, I don't anticipate Shane Gossett's there being traded unless, unless it's an overwhelming return. So 
I think you just think broke Rose everybody's so, heart in Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I don't. I don't yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I know those rumors have been out there with uh, with Montreal and, and Ghost, but um, I don't. I don't think that uh, he's imminently heading anywhere right now. I think he's still going to be on the Flyers' first power play unit, and even even if he's playing third pair at five on five, I think he still is in the Flyers' starting six. But there was a, there's a bit of a numbers game, you know. Once they figure out Provorov, and that's that's really to me where I'm watching. If you might, if you see a move, it might be with a defenseman, but I don't think that'll happen until you know until some point in training camp, probably the later part of September. Well, Bill, we know uh, this, despite it being the off season, we know it's still a busy time of year uh, in the world of hockey. And we certainly appreciate you taking some time out uh, to speak with us today. Your, your knowledge and insight is uh, quite invaluable. And we certainly uh, really enjoyed having you on the show today. That was my Very pleasure. Cool. Happy to do it anytime. Well, Rick, we really uh, can't say thanks enough there to Bill Meltzer for joining us for such a, uh, an in-depth interview today. Really gave us a, a great synopsis of, of, the moves the Flyers have made so far in this offseason, how they did in the draft, Chuck Fletcher's you know, mindset in, in this summertime season, uh, and even how some of the prospects were looking there in development camp, and what could or could not be coming uh, later on this summer. So great interview. Well, it, uh, it's always a pleasure to see Bill when we're on, on the road, um, just a, mm-hmm. a fountain of information, and add some really good information both uh, for Flyers fans and Habs fans. Um, or, or at least information that's that's important. Uh, whether Habs fans will embrace the fact that he said uh, um, it doesn't look like Gossip's beer is going anywhere. <laughs> um, and uh, but uh, you know, there's little tidbits that uh, you know when he when he was talking about Nick Cousins, he mentioned uh, don't be surprised if he's um, used in the shootout at times because he's mm-hmm. uh, proficient that way. Um, if Claude Julien has done uh, his scouting. He'll um, he'll uh, have uh, paid attention to that. So lots lots and lots of good information, uh, and uh, really appreciate Bill joining joining us. Absolutely, we uh, we always enjoy, uh, as you say, uh, bumping into him, whether it's in the press box uh, for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms or more frequently over at uh, the Wells Fargo Center for Flyers games. Uh, always happy to see Bill, and we thank him for taking some time out for us. Um, should also mention, uh, and kind of segues actually to um, another Flyers topic that we can just briefly touch on. Um, be sure, as as we said, uh, you can find. Uh, Bill on Twitter at Bill Meltzer and he's got uh, an article out on the Flyers NHL site uh, this week um, really detailing what Paul Holmgren has done for the Flyers organization throughout the course of his career um, from the time he was a player to now him shifting to a senior advisor role and uh, Chuck Fletcher now taking over as both the GM and the president of the organization Um, you know it seems like it's going to be uh, you know, more of, as he says, a, a senior advisor role. It's a much different look for Paul Holmgren, but, but Bill does a great job in really encapsulating um, Homer's personality, what he's, what he's meant to the organization, what he means to fans, what he means to the professionals who work with him, um, and just how big of an impact he's had on the Flyers over the course of a, gosh, 40-year career. So um, be sure to check that out uh, if uh, if you can over on the Flyers website, kind of an end of, of an era, uh, as you said. Um, yeah, he's, uh, 
Holmgren was uh, been in every position um, from from player to president, um, and was charged with the the had the responsibility of carrying on the uh, Ed Snyder uh, legacy, and 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 that kind of era has has uh, come to an end. And you know, uh, Holmgren's name has has uh, uh, been talked about in in the last few weeks because of the Canadians' offer sheet, and 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 it was uh, Holmgren that um, that put the the offer sheet in on uh, Shea Weber when he was part of the Nashville Predators, and and he's talked very openly about how that uh, uh, impaired his relationship with uh, other GMs and broke friendships, mm-hmm. and and was one of the reasons he stepped out of that uh, GM chair um, is his inability to. Uh, for people to uh, to deal with him anymore. So um, important uh, to Flyers fans and kind of imp- an important name uh, to the conversations that are going on in the NHL right now. Absolutely, it really it really is, uh, and it'll be <laughs> the news is is can't does can't ever run out of the news. Uh, you know, it's it's something new every week, and uh, we certainly are happy to be here every week, being able to discuss the news that's going on in the hockey world as it happens throughout the summer. Um, what we're going to do right now, however, is take a quick break, and on the other side of these brief messages, we'll be back to go around the AHL and talk to you about a couple of new head coaches in the American Hockey League, uh, as well as some other information that's league related the schedules out um, also some news about uh, you know where the Seattle franchise might uh, looks like they're going to be having their AHL franchise and of course what you don't want to miss on the other side of this break is our exclusive interview with new Syracuse crunch goaltender Zach Focali so don't go anywhere we'll be back right after this from the press box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. We're back here on From the Press Box on the AHL Report. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my fabulous co-host, Mr. Rick Stevens. And don't forget, if you want to chat with us, uh, you know, seven days a week, 365 days a year about hockey, no matter what the level, no matter what the team, if you just want to talk hockey, if you've got questions, comments, you need some, want some feedback, want to get into the conversation, then be sure to find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. And we're always happy to talk to our fans and followers and uh, really just grow this hockey community uh, as we've been doing for the last 10 years here at Rocket Sports Media. Um, that's the at the AHL Report on Twitter. Right now, however, we're going to go around the AHL. And, Rick, there's 
two more new head coaches in the league as of this past week. Um, the first, we know that uh, former head coach of the Charlotte Checkers, Mike Vellucci, uh, had left the organization and, and had taken up uh, a head coaching position with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. And his replacement has been named. It is none other than Ryan Orsofsky, um, who has been coaching since 2012. And at the age of 31, he becomes the youngest current head coach in the AHL. Um, He had uh, joined the organization last summer, serving as an assistant coach with the Charlotte Checkers uh, last year. So he was part of that Calder Cup winning coaching team, but he now takes over uh, as the bench boss there in Charlotte. Big step. And, um, you know, the, the, uh, they, they are a, a Calder cup uh, winning team and they'll have a, a good nucleus. Uh, they, they did lose a couple of key pieces, but they still have a good nucleus uh, for him to work with. So it'll uh, be interesting to see how uh, he guides that team uh, jumping up from the assistant coach level. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another uh, empty head coaching position uh, that had been around for a little while as uh, Dallas Aikens was called up, got his call up to Anaheim uh, that left the head coaching position for the San Diego Gulls open. And the Anaheim Ducks have now declared that Kevin Deneen is the new coach of the San Diego Gulls. Um, it's actually his second stint as the Ducks AHL head coach. Uh, Deneen was the bench boss for the Portland Pirates for six seasons from 2005 to 2011. And three of those years, the Pirates were the Anaheim AHL affiliate. So this is actually the second time that that uh, Anaheim has called on him to, to lead up their AHL affiliate. And so he now takes over um, that's Kevin Deneen, head coach, new head coach of the San Diego Gulls. New head coach of uh, the San Diego Gulls, who had a uh, a great run in the playoffs uh, last season. And the San mm-hmm. Diego Gulls, who th- are the most popular team in the AHL. I know that sounds kind of odd, but um, the San Diego Gulls are the only team in the NHL with an average attendance over 9,000 every game um they're they're a popular team and Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be um um uh, a quebec heavy uh coaching staff uh we haven't heard uh yet about the status of of the assistant coaches but if uh, sylvain lefebvre uh stays on uh he of course uh, a quebec native and uh, kevin denine uh born in quebec city so um, oh great that will be interesting. And that um, with, with that, uh, there are only uh, two coaching vac- vacancies that come to mind for me. Um, one is at the ECHL level in uh, Brampton. We talked about Colin Chalk moving up That's to right. the Melville Sins. Uh, mm-hmm. Brampton looking for uh, a head coach. And Hartford is the other one. And the interesting thing about Hartford is, um, there's not been a lot of news coming out of uh, Hartford. Uh, Keith McCambridge was was fired um, at the end of the Wolfpack uh, at the end of uh, last season, and um, the only name that we've heard is is Marty St. Louis. Uh, it was uh, the organization was asked if if he would be a candidate, and they uh, said no. So 
Um, we don't know what's going to happen there, but um, let's. Uh, we can imagine that over the next week or two, we're going to hear something out of Hartford. I would imagine, because as you said at the top of the show, we're already halfway through the through July. Um, teams are going to really start buckling down and, and starting to get um, prepared for the upcoming season. So you'll want to get those positions filled as soon as possible. Um, looking ahead to future seasons, however, Rick, uh, it seems that um, the new Seattle NHL franchise has gotten themselves a a narrowed down location as to where their AHL affiliate is going to call home base. And it's, um, I think it's a pretty, pretty nice locale. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing official yet uh, hasn't been um, announced by governors, anything to that extent, but it looks like the, um, uh, the Seattle franchise will uh, locate their AHL affiliate in Palm Springs uh, one of the it's uh, been one of the locations that we've talked about before uh, as possible. And it looks like they're going in in that direction. The plan was uh, unveiled um, and it, it makes sense. Um, Palm Springs has has uh, direct flights to Seattle. Um, they'll be um, uh, just a couple of hours away from the aforementioned San Diego Gulls. They're about an hour would be an hour away from the Ontario Reigns. So it'll There'll be a nice little rivalry uh, built there, um, and uh, they have to go through some environmental studies. The plan includes a new practice rink, and uh, but it we sh- we could be seeing um, San Diego become the 32nd team uh, in the AHL, and that would be beginning the 2021-22 season. Yeah, and Palm Springs would not be a bad place to have to play hockey. I imagine it's the same thing for San Diego. It's not not a bad place to play to have to play hockey. Uh, pretty good. So we'll keep uh, an ear close to the ground on further developments with that as they are announced. One thing that was announced last week was the full schedule for the AHL for this upcoming season. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's always an exciting. It's a it's. Uh, Stick tap to to everyone in the AHL front office who puts this together um, with the, you know, it's one thing to put the NHL schedule together where teams are flying uh, on on their chartered flights back and forth. I'm sure that schedule's hard enough to, to make, but for the AHL where most of the teams are traveling mostly um, on the road uh, most of the time, it's it's. I'm sure quite an undertaking. So hats off to them for getting, getting uh, the schedule out in July. Again, it used to, if if people remember the the schedule used to not come out until the end of August. And so in recent years, within the last, I'd say two or three years, uh, Dave Andrews and and his team had really made it uh, a goal to get the schedule out much earlier. And they've been successful at doing that. So uh, congratulations and thanks to them. Um, Should note a couple of things. The Hershey Bears, first of all, have been around in the AHL since 1938. And on not on, yes, I said 1938. Hershey Bears, there's a reason why that place is packed uh, at the Giant Center every night. Um, on November 27th, they'll be hosting the Providence Bruins, and that will mark the Hershey Bears' 6,000th regular season AHL game. Wow. That's quite a number. <laughs> 
It is quite a number. In fact, um, following up with that, the Syracuse Crunch, uh, when they visit Belleville on December 28th, the Syracuse Crunch will be playing their 2000th regular season game. Pretty, uh, pretty high milestone for the Syracuse Crunch. And there are two teams that will hit their 1,000 mark this year. Um, both the Cleveland Monsters and the Rockford Ice Hogs will both play their 1,000th regular season games uh, in the AHL this season as well. So some milestones for some teams around the league. Um, for the Rockets, for the Laval Rocket, however, they, in just their third year, things are going to look slightly different this year. Um Now, you'll recall that uh, for Belleville and Toronto last year, uh, the Rockets faced each of those teams 12 times last year, which, whew, it's a lot. (laughs) It's really a lot. Well, a little shakeup of the schedule, Rick, takes four games away from the Toronto series. Uh, They'll still play 12 uh, against the Belleville Senators, six at home and six away, uh, probably because Belleville is, is their closest opponent. It's just three or four hours down the road, but they'll uh, go to four and four with Toronto. So where are those other four games going to go? Well, there are some new teams that are going to uh, be hosted at Place Bell and that the Laval Rocket will also be on the road to visit. And that is uh, the Rockford Ice Hawks and the Milwaukee Admirals. So, the North division venturing farther into the central division again this year, uh, now with Cleveland, Manitoba, Rockford, and Milwaukee. Um, all there, although I, sorry, is Cleveland now in the, in the no, they're still in the central, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so a little diversity in the schedule. Could be and, and the team with one of your favorite logos on the, on the front, the Rockford Ice Hogs will now be facing off against Lavelle this year. I do. I do like their, their logo and their, um, their mascot as well. Absolutely. So that should be a little fun, a uh, little, little shake up there for Lavelle rocket uh, and some great to be able to Cleveland. see some Western. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just, just Cleveland in the North. Yeah. Cleveland and North. Yes. I, I forgetting that they moved last year. Um, so yeah, uh, exciting to see some Western conference teams, um, sprinkled throughout the season instead of having to wait till the playoffs to see that happen. So, uh, some changes there and for the phantoms, things relatively remain, uh, the same with their matchups and so forth. They do have a number of Sunday afternoon games, which, uh, always tends to be very popular for families, uh, for the Lehigh Valley phantoms, um, and, uh, their rivals, the of course they'll they'll be meeting the Hershey Bears and the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins twelve times again uh, for each club uh, this year, and um, they'll have the first rivalry weekend will be the second week of the season. Um, there will be where the Phantoms will play both the Scrant, uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins and the Hershey Bears all in the same weekend. So that'll be a really fun kind of triad there this week, that weekend for, for that fan base. Just as you mentioned the, the Phantom schedule and, and I know um, it comes up when we're talking to fans of the Laval rocket, they complain about the three and three 
mm-hmm. which actually impact uh, Lavelle much, much less than most other um, AHL teams. Um, but overall, league-wide, it, it, as you said, it's kind of popular in with the Pennsylvania teams um, to do right. that three and three. Usually, um, not all three, one game in one location, two in the other, and uh, including a, a, a matinee matchup on, on Sunday. But overall, um, in the league schedule, there seems to be um, a little bit of a move away from the three and three, um, mm-hmm. which is, I'm, I mean, it's it's taxing on... Uh, on the uh, on the players and um, uh, and and on you know uh, uh, travel and and all that kind of stuff. So um, there looks to looks to be that uh, that may in in other markets uh, uh, start to be lessened. Um, we'll see if that's a trend over the years. Mm-hmm. And ways they're doing things like that. I know uh, Laval plays uh, a handful of Tuesday games this year, which is very odd for the, you know, Tuesday games aren't, aren't usually a thing. It's usually a Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, uh, kind of, kind of rotation. So a few Tuesday games, uh, for, for Laval this year. Um, yeah. So I'm sure the players, coaches, training staff, equipment guys are all breathing a sigh of relief to see a, a few less of the three and three and threes on the schedule for this year. One thing we can be sure of is that uh, we'll be visiting our friends in Syracuse, um, whether we're there covering the Phantoms or the Laval Rocket. We'll be in Syracuse a number of times this season. Uh, one of our one of our more favorite places to cover a game. Um, and uh, while we're there, there will be a new goaltender uh, between the pipes there with the Crunch. Uh, and we uh, had a chance to speak with him very recently. I'm joined by the one and only uh, goaltender now for the Syracuse Crunch, recently signing a new contract, uh, Mr. Zach Socali. Zach, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on uh, on your podcast. We are excited to have you on. Uh, you know, we've uh, here at Rocket Sports Media, we've uh, kind of been with you step by step throughout a, a good portion of your of your pro career. So uh, first off, we should say congratulations on on signing a new contract with Syracuse. Excited to see you uh, get an opportunity with a new organization. Um, and I guess first off, let's let's start right there. Uh, you know, what's what was what's the big attraction for Syracuse, and what are you most looking forward to uh, with this organization come this fall? Oh, I mean. Like, th- thanks for <laughs> congratulating me. I think it's great. Uh, I mean, I- I'm glad I'm getting a new opportunity uh, after a pretty good season uh, in Fort Wayne in Chicago. Uh, I had a really nice time there and uh, really appreciated that whole that whole area with the goalie coaches and everything. And, and now um, with Syracuse signing in Syracuse, I-, I mean, I've heard nothing but good things with um, the Tampa Bay organization, and I'm I'm happy about it. I know... I know the coaching staff. Uh, I've, I've, I've known them a little bit, and uh, that's something I'm a little bit more familiar with. So that's that's a positive. And uh, like I said, just a new opportunity for me to uh, play, uh, show show how I show show how I get out there and try and help the team win. And it's like I said, just a new opportunity. I'm I'm pumped about it, and uh, I can't wait for camp already. <laughs> They'll be here before you know it. Um, yeah, from the yeah. time that you, some, that's right. 
uh, from the, <laughs> it, it does, you know, you think, oh, it's, it's all summer. And then before you know it, uh, training camp is here and it's Labor Day. Um, the, during the time that you spent with the Montreal Canadiens organization, you certainly uh, played at Syracuse uh, quite a number of times. So you know already what it's like to play in that building. Uh, the, the fans are loud. They're enthusiastic. They're hockey knowledgeable. Um, always, uh, Syracuse always puts a very competitive team on the ice. Um, and particularly, you know, certainly doesn't hurt when you have guys like Carter Verhage getting signed uh, to a new deal last year's uh, scoring champion in the league. So all of those things must excite you about coming to this organization. Oh yeah. I mean, like, uh, like you were mentioning, I, I was in the East in the first three years of uh, my uh, uh, young career. And now uh, after one year away, I'm back in the East. So I, I'm familiar with it. And uh, I know the cities, the teams, uh, even though the players in them change a lot, <laughs> it's, uh, it's good to be back in the East. And uh, yeah, I've, I've I've enjoyed playing against Syracuse, but now uh, hopefully I'll get that chance to be uh, on that team. <laughs> now, absolutely. You mentioned what a what a positive year you had in in the Vegas organization, playing uh, a little with the Chicago Wolves and and the Fort Wayne Comets, uh, going on a bit of a playoff run with Fort Wayne as well. Just talk a little bit about you know that was your first. Uh, that was your first change in organizations uh, after after your time in Montreal, and and what what did that change of scenery do for you and bring for you both personally and as far as your career? Um, honestly, I I I really enjoyed it all year long. I I got along with uh, the teams I was a part of in, in Fort Wayne and in Chicago for a little bit, and. Um, the goalie coaches were, were really awesome to me. Uh, Dave Pryor, you know, Mike Rosati really believed in me. I really felt like they did. And, and we had a really nice, uh, we had really nice communication between us all. I think it, that's, that's the table, the staple for them, for all their goalies, you know, whether it was me or Oscar, Max, mm-hmm. Subban, Fleury, Ferguson, and, and he was still in junior, but all of us, I think, their main priority was to have good communication with the goalies. And I really felt that. And, and as goalies, we really appreciate it when that dialogue is so, is so like free. And I learned a lot from them in one year. I learned so much from both those, those, those guys, Dave and and Mike. And and I'm really grateful. They, they believed in me for, for that year. Sometimes in hockey, it it changes quick. And so uh, that's why I'm uh, somewhere else now, but um Last year, I, I learned a lot, and thanks to them believing in me. Then, it uh, it was cool. It was good good to be a part of, and and uh, actually, I haven't heard anything negative from uh, the the goalie coaches um, in in the Tampa organization. Uh, Franz Jean, wow. uh, everybody knows him real well, and um, also uh, there's a new goalie coach in Syracuse, so I, I can't wait to uh, get started, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Oh, that's excellent. Um, Taking, I know that we've talked, uh, some of our interviews in the past, we've talked about um, how regimented your routine is, day, whether it's game day, non-game day, uh, you know, you're, you're, you've got a pretty religious routine that you follow, your nutrition, those types of things. Um, had, does any of that 
let up during the summer? Are you are you doing anything different in your summer training than you have in, in previous years, or is it kind of status quo and, and just pushing forward to, to be the best you can at camp this fall? Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that changes during the year, and in the summer I've, I've changed a, a lot of things, in, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, li- I like to keep a, a strong routine. I like that. I think, uh, like you said, you've seen that uh, – with me when I was in Laval and, and uh, mm-hmm. St. John's a little bit. Um, but uh, I like to just evolve it. Like, I don't like to keep it the same all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. That kind of kind of gets old, you know. Sometimes things work, yeah. and then a couple of years later, they don't work. And so you, you, you go to something else. And uh, in the summertime, I train in the same place. Uh, we usually have the same groups going, um, same type of training, and uh, it's it's been good for me, so... Some things I don't change, and if it's good, I I, I don't like to, to to change it up. But uh, it's good. I'm I'm still open to change, even though I like to keep a strong routine. Well, that's good. You're you're you always uh, you always mentioned how much you you like to keep learning and growing. So it sounds like you're still yeah, doing well, that. Yeah, well, I think for anybody in, in hockey, not just hockey, anywhere, honestly, you have to adapt because. If you can't adapt, at some point things change so quickly in today's world that uh, you'll fall behind pretty quick. <laughs> I <laughs> I can agree with that. Um, yeah. So for anyone listening to the podcast today who is a, a Tampa or Syracuse fan and perhaps uh, isn't as familiar with you as perhaps our, our Canadian listeners, uh, Give give those fans just a brief description of what they can expect from Zach Bucali in between the pipes. Oh man, um, <laughs> actually, I haven't had to do that to describe myself because uh, I think people know that uh, I, I'm uh, kind of a outgoing guy. I like to I like to talk. Um, I'm I'm always yelling when I'm on the ice. I like to. We always say that communication is important. I might take that a little bit to the extreme, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I like that, and um, I I like to believe that I'm a hard worker. Uh, I think work ethic is important in today's game, and um, I I just like to improve and um, just try and have a good time every day. Come to the rink and try and bring a positive attitude, and uh, I think um, teammates like that when you come to the rink and. Uh, not always a downer, right? You come to the rank, you have a good attitude, put a smile on, and uh, I think I, I bring that type of uh, energy. So uh, that's that's me uh, sort of off the ice. But uh, on the ice, just try and work uh, as hard as I can to make sure I'm ready for the next game. And um, consistent improvement will help me and uh, help the team. And I'm, I kind of kind of think of myself as a team first guy. So uh, I think that's, that's a good thing. Excellent. Well, I, I, I think that uh, we here at Rocket Sports can concur that you are a team first guy. You've always been a stand-up guy, both on and off the ice, uh, for all of the years that we've worked with you. Um, want to thank you again for taking some time out of your summer to talk hockey with us and uh, wishing nothing but the best for training camp this fall. We know you're going to do a great job. All right. Well, thank you very much for having me again. And, uh, yeah, this was great. And we'll see you uh, during the season. Absolutely. We'll see you in Syracuse. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, Rick, it's been, it's been a season since we've had the opportunity to, uh, to cover Zach Focali, uh since he's been uh, 
playing in the Vegas organization, whether it's uh, for the Chicago Wolves or for the Fort Wayne Comets. Uh, but it is certainly great to have him back in the Eastern Conference again and great to talk to him again. He's just he's always a, a wonderful interview, so generous with his time and uh, couldn't thank him enough for taking some time out of his summer to, to chat with us today. Great young man, very positive. Um, um, you know, you th- when you th- think about Zach Fucali, the goaltender, um, uh, you think about athleticism, but uh, there's also um, uh, a very cerebral kind of a guy who thinks the game um, a mm-hmm. lot. He he, uh, w- we enjoyed uh, connecting with him when he was uh, in Laval or in Brampton. Um, and uh, he had a, a pretty healthy uh, workload with Fort Wayne last year. And, and uh, uh, now it will be, as you say, nice to get him back into, uh, into the East with Syracuse. And, and uh, they've got some um, uh, new additions in Syracuse to the coaching staff. Uh, uh, we know that um, the head coach of the Halifax Mooseheads, uh, where, where uh, Zach uh, uh, played in in the queue. Um, head coach uh, Eric Vieu went. Uh, he is now an assistant coach in Syracuse um, uh, to Benoit Gros, So and there's a new mm-hmm. goaltending coach. So um, lots of help and support, and probably familiar faces for uh, uh, for Zach to support him um, in Syracuse. That's right. And I think I think right now the ECHL is running some fan votes on you know the best some of the best moments of the ECHL season. And I have seen some tweets go by that one of um, a, a video of one of Zach's uh, spectacular saves uh, this past season is in the running for, for the best save of the season contest for the ECHL. So go find that contest, check out uh, Zach's video there uh, and uh, throw him a vote. We'd love to see him get accolades for his hard work, hard work. And uh, we wish him the best of luck in Syracuse. Um, we'll, we'll be seeing him soon. Um, with that, we are going to take one last uh, break. And on the other side, we're just going to uh, give you a little preview of what's coming up next here at the AHL Report. So don't go anywhere. We've just got two brief messages for you. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. 
We're back here on From the Press Box on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, and again, I'm joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. Don't forget, find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. If you've got questions, comments, want to talk about hockey, want to get in on the conversation, uh, something that you saw or read or experienced that you want want us to mention on future shows that you think is uh, newsworthy, anything at all, find us at at the AHL report on Twitter. And Rick, all summer long, really, I know we say this a lot, but all summer long, uh, the AHL report and uh, the Rocket Sports Media family of websites is just uh, a never-ending source of great information about hockey, um, new content coming out all of the time. In fact, uh, today alone on the AHL report, I know uh, my Wonderful colleague Chris G has uh, his latest edition of the Rocket Notepad out, where uh, talks a little bit about things that are going on with the Rocket and recent signings, uh, and and things of that nature. I've got an article out, uh, which is a feature article that breaks down and and here's feedback from all of our contest winners from the draft who traveled to Vancouver with us. And it's kind of a synopsis of that wonderful weekend in Vancouver where you can kind of get a taste of what it's like and what happens when you win tickets with rocket sports media to go to the NHL draft. Uh, So you'll want to be sure to check that out as well. And, and there's just, whether it's on all Habs hockey magazine or the AHL report, any of our podcasts, there's just always something for anyone who's interested in hockey. And sometimes you get uh, some different kinds of articles. You may be taking the summer to relax and pick up a book and, mm-hmm. and our hockey researcher, Kate Rachel did just that. And, and uh, uh, had a read of Jay Baruchel's, uh, uh new book. And uh, she did a book review, um, a fascinating, fascinating book about his life being a, a fan of the Montreal Canadiens, and um, and uh, we we that came out a, a couple of days ago. And Jay took the time to read the article and and said that uh, he really enjoyed Kate's work. So um, yeah. there's all kind there's there's something for everyone um, of of every taste and and um, you know from hardcore fans to to those that are more casual. We we've got everything. We've got something for everyone. And that goes for our podcast too. There's not just from the press box for people to enjoy, although we're glad you come and join us every Tuesday. Uh, but there are, in addition to this, there are three other podcasts, Rick, that uh, hockey fans can listen to on Rocket Sports Radio. Indeed. Uh, there's uh, Have a Listen and Habs Unfiltered. Uh, and then our live podcast uh, every Saturday at 1 Eastern is The Canadian's Connection. Um, and uh, you can listen to uh, all of them. Uh, certainly can listen to the Canadians Connection live, but uh, uh, all four po- podcasts are available on demand, either by uh, heading to uh, the websites or uh, going to your favorite uh, podcast app and, and searching for Rocket Sports Radio. That's fantastic. Um, and you don't want to miss anything. You know, we've, we've had people uh, give us feedback saying, you know, uh, all of your podcasts are just a little bit different. They have different personalities, different perspectives, different points of view, and we love listening to to all of them. Uh, you know, you get something new from all of from each one of them, and so it's a great way uh, to keep your finger on the pulse of the things that we're doing here at Rocket Sports Media. 
Of course, you can also, uh, as I've said, interact with us on Twitter at the AHL Report. You can find Rick on Twitter at AllHabs. You can find me on Twitter at FlyersRule. We're always happy to hear from our fans and listeners and followers, so we welcome you to do that. And uh, we'll be busy at work. Rick, the uh, World Junior Summer Showcase is just around the corner. I know we're going to have some coverage for that. Um, USA, Canada, Sweden, and Finland, I believe. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, next week and really got some some great uh, prospects to keep an eye on in that tournament coming up. So Prospects from both uh, the Montreal Canadiens yeah. and the, the Philadelphia Flyers. And, and uh, that is a, kind of a, a preview, a selection camp, a showcase, they, they call it. Uh, ahead of the the 2020 uh, World Junior Championships uh, this year that are taking part um, over the Christmas uh, period uh, in the Czech Republic. It's gonna be it's gonna be great, and we're gonna bring you lots of information as that tournament unfolds as well. For now, uh, Rick, thanks so much for being here again this week. Um, been a very good show thank you to bill Meltzer and thank you to zach focali for taking the time with us today they really were both interviews were just fantastic really really glad to have them both on today absolutely thank them both for taking the time and uh, for providing just the 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 best information uh, to our listeners and that's what we try to do each and every week absolutely and we thank you for joining us again this week uh we uh couldn't couldn't do this without you. We we wa- are so glad every week that we're able to talk to you and and fill that uh, void of hockey that you're having in the summertime and all year round. And we're happy to bring you the news as it happens. So thank you for joining us. Enjoy your week this week. Be back here once again next Tuesday because as Rick says, you know we have to come up with another Zach for next week to uh, <laughs> to keep the uh, the theme going for uh, a new interview. But we'll see who we'll see what we've got in store for you next week. Don't miss it next Tuesday. Have a wonderful week. Until then, take care and enjoy your summer.